Why don't we start off with a little bit of scripture? Uh, we're going to be just kind of all over the Bible today, so I uh, hope hope you're ready for that. Try to try to hang with me as as best you can. But uh, first, I, I want to take us to the Old Testament. This is um, an Old Testament prayer. It comes from Psalm 85, and uh, and it says this. It says, "Won't you, God? Won't you?" Won't you bring us back to life again so that your people can rejoice in you? Won't you bring us back to life again so that your people can rejoice in you? Show us your faithful love, Lord. Give us your salvation. God, that's, that's our prayer today. Won't you? Won't you bring us back to life again? Won't you bring us back, revive us so that we can rejoice in you? God, won't you, won't you breathe new life into us, into these tired and dry bones? God, show us. Put, put on display for us your salvation. The greatest gift that has ever been offered. Your saving power, your healing power, your grace. God, bring us back to life again. Won't you do that? You've done it once before. Lord, do it, do it again here and now. Won't you? Won't you do that? Amen. That's been my prayer. Psalm 85 has been my prayer over the last uh, few weeks. And that passage, uh, it came to me from a time of, of just deep meditation and searching and seeking on Google. Um, so, <laughs> took you a second. Uh, so, um, Leslie Litterer, the stewardship chair, and I, we, we sat down and we were talking about this love big. We, we came up with, with revive. Yeah, revive. That, that seems like that's what we need to talk about. That's that's what our church needs right now. We, we need to be revived after these two years. And so um, I did what any good biblical scholar would do. I got on Google and I typed in scriptures about revive. Psalm 85 popped up. Um, it was the first one. Uh, but it actually, it, it, really, it really spoke to kind of the depths of, of my soul. And, and I, I don't know about you, but, but when, I, when I read that, God, won't you, won't you revive us? Won't you bring us back to life so that we can rejoice in you? I, I don't know about you, but that, that spoke to me. I, I don't know about you, but I know about me. I, I need to be revived. Now, we all know what it means to be revived. It means that, that you were once vived, but then you got devived. So now you need to be revived. But you, 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 were, once, you were once alive. You were, once, you were once active and, and attentive and, and listening, but then something happened and, and you've dozed off. You've, you've gone limp. You've fallen asleep. And now you need to be woken up again. And so here's my, my just very simple definition of revive. It's, it's the renewed interest after a period of decline. A renewed interest after a period of decline. That word revive, it, it literally means to be brought back to life or to be brought back to consciousness. Isn't that interesting? To, to be brought back to life, not only physically in our body, but also to be brought back to life in our 
mind. Like, like you've been in a fog, walking around in a thick fog. We all know what that fog is, right? It's called 2020. It's, it's the COVID coma that we've been living with for, for two years now. That, that you've, you've been in a fog, and now you need to be renewed in your consciousness. It needs to be restored, revived. Well, let's back up a little bit before we get into revive, because before you get revived, you first have to be vibed. You first have to be born. As Jesus said, be born again, be, be born anew. Let's give, let's give a whole fresh start to, to your life. Let's hit the reset button on your life. I know that for me in my life, I, I thought I thought that I was going in the right direction before I met Jesus, and then I got vibed what we would call converted or, or, or salvation. I, I got vibed, but here's the thing that I didn't understand about Christianity at the time. Like that old hymn says, Lord prone to wander. Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God. I love that there, there is something within me that is prone to wander away to not be revived again. That's why I think that prayer from Psalm 85 is is so important. Lord, won't you, won't you revive us again? God, God, we, we need to get back on the road. We need to get back on track, back on, back on the good stuff, back to where you have called us to be. Lord, won't you revive us again? And so I want to take us to um, another place in the Old Testament. This is uh, Old Testament prophet Hosea. Hosea chapter 6. Hosea says this. He says, come, come, let's return to the Lord. Like, like we were on the right track, but then something happened. We, we were vived, but then we got de-vived. Let's, let's return to the Lord. It goes on. It says, for it is he who has injured us, uh-oh, and will heal us. He has struck us down, ouch, but he will bind us up. Shoot. I don't like passages of scripture like that too much because, you know, every time I, I read something like that, I think, ah, oh, it just makes me a little queasy to think that God could have maybe orchestrated specific things that, that don't feel good, that, that hurt a little bit. Makes me a little queasy, God tearing us apart. But then, you know, I think, I think over the last two years, and I think, yeah, we have been injured. Or, or as some translations of that say, that God has, has torn us apart. Yeah, we, we have been torn by, by like a dull knife, not a sharp one, but a dull knife has ripped it through our lives, through our churches, through our world. And there's so many different fragments and dead ends, and it's all so frazzled. We've, we've been a torn. And, and please hear me say, I, I don't think that, that God was orchestrating doing specific things. It, it, it's not like that, but, but man, oh man, did God use the last two years to reveal some stuff to us, to, to tear some things open, to show us that like, like maybe, maybe we're not so united after all. Like, like maybe, maybe this, this belonging to a fellowship of believers isn't as important as just 
consuming spiritual content for ourselves, to just consume instead of actually contributing. Like, like maybe God has used this time to reveal to us that, that we went to church just out of habit, not out of a heart pull. That we came to worship out of obligation, not out of obedience. And there's a difference between those two things. That, that we have been torn and God has shown us some stuff. And God has torn us. But, but even, even isn't that loving? It, it says, it says, <laughs> says that, that God is, is trying to give us a longer-term view here. God isn't just trying to put a smile on our face before bedtime. It says God, God is, has a purpose to this. There's, there's a longer view in this. It says God has injured us, and he will heal us, struck us down so that he will bind us up. You know, sometimes you, you need to be torn open a little bit in order for the healing to begin. My dad just had um, heart surgery about, about a month ago, and uh, there was nothing uh, necessarily uh, sudden that happened to him. Um, it wasn't anything that, that he did wrong. It, it was just over time, he's been living with this heart murmur for, gosh, I don't even know how long, pretty much his, his whole life. And, and over the years, just that slight dysfunction in the way his heart was, that slight dysfunction caused some issues until it finally had to be dealt with. And so you know what they did to deal with it? They cut his heart open. And they, they replaced it. They literally revived his heart because of that slight dysfunction over time. Just couldn't take it anymore. And, you know, we, we believe in a God who is not only the great physician, but we also believe in a God who is a very skilled and, profi- and, and proficient surgeon. That, that sometimes God has to come in and cut some things out, tear us open a little bit, and it might feel painful in the moment, absolutely. But God's direction towards you is always for good. Hosea says he has torn us, injured us. He has torn us so that he might heal us. That maybe Christ has used these last two years to heal his church. Reveal, take a deep look, reveal some of the disease and the dysfunction that might have just been slow. Insignificant, it seems, but over time. Maybe Christ has torn us open a little bit. so. He can see that and heal it. Hosea goes on. He says, after two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. Now, Hosea there, he's not just talking about Jesus's resurrection. He's talking about yours and mine as well, that Jesus was not only raised on the third day, but all of us are. That, that as, we, as we just sang a moment ago, you're, you're resurrecting me, God. You're resurrecting me. He says, so that, so that we may live before him. So he says, so let's know in, in our minds. I love that. Let's, let's know and let's press on to know the Lord whose appearing is as certain as the dawn who will come to us like, the, like showers, like the spring rains that give drink to the earth. Isn't that beautiful? He says after, after two days, he will revive us. There's our word again. And to be 
revived means that you're not currently vibed. That, that you're, you're, you're in a position or a period of decline. And it needs to be revived. So think, think about it this way. There's a, a common prayer uh, throughout Scripture that goes, that goes something like this. Find it all over Scripture. Find it in Psalm 119, Joshua 24, 1 Kings 8. The, the prayer goes something like this. God, I incline my heart to you. And maybe, maybe your translation of the Bible has something different, like, God, I, I turn my heart towards you, or, or I have decided to, to follow you. I've decided to, to do this. But I, I kind of like that, that word incline. It's an interesting word. Because to incline something means that it's not currently in that position. Like you don't, you don't incline something that's already fully upright, right? And so it, it must mean that every time it shows up, it must mean that, that the people's hearts were in decline. The problem with many of us is that we go through our lives just reclined. Like we got that kind of rocking chair spirituality. Just sitting down. We're busy. Going a few inches forward, a few inches back few inches forward, a few inches back. And, and all the while, we, we think that, that we're doing something because we're constantly in motion, but we're not actually going anywhere. But it makes us think that we got something going on. So we, we've got to pray, God, <laughs> incline my heart. It, incline my heart. Set it, set it upright because it's fallen again. There's there's this tendency I'm prone to leave. I'm, I'm prone to let my heart go on the decline. And so the question I, I just want to ask you this morning is, where is your heart? What's, what's the angle of your heart? Is, is it fully upright? You're at 90 degrees. There's, there's a strong connection between you and God. Is your heart all the way upright? Are you more of that like 45 Maybe, maybe all you got is, is like about an eight-degree angle. I mean, you're here in church, but, but maybe that's, that's about all you got right now. You don't feel this, this divine direction that you have towards God. What's, what's your angle? And I, I hope that you, you answer that honestly. You don't have to tell anyone. You don't have to tell me. Although I think it would be good if you did tell someone, have a conversation about how your heart actually is. I think about it this way. My, my kids and I, um, there's this park at uh, kind of the end of our street, um, the Dunedin uh, Community Center. There's a playground there. And so uh, it's great. It's a great little park playground. And the other thing that's great is that, that we can walk there. So we love to take our, our bikes or our scooters there. Uh, but there is one problem. The problem is that we live on a hill as much of a hill as you can have in Florida, okay? Um, but, it, but it's a significant hill for this part of the world. And so uh, on our way down the hill, it's great. I mean, my kids love it. They, they love just going as fast as they can on their bikes or scooters. Uh, but the way back, what do we face? The incline, right? The incline. So, so on the way down, it's, it's a lot of fun. You, you go really fast. Maybe it's a little bit of a, a dangerous situation. Your adrenaline's pumping a little bit, but you don't even notice how far that you have gone because of how fast that you are going there. But man, oh man, you feel 
every step of the way on the way back up the incline. And so, you know, they're, they're kids. And so their, their quad muscles aren't, aren't fully developed yet. And so they're trying to ride their bikes up uh, and they get about a quarter of the way or a tenth of the way up before they have to hop off of their bikes and walk them up. Or they ask, Daddy, can you push me? And I have to walk behind and kind of gently, sometimes more forcefully, push them up the hill. And so the question is, is you know, who's, who's got your back to push you up the incline? Who's, who's, who's pushing you up the hill? Because it's, it's hard work to incline our hearts. Any incline is a lot more difficult than the decline. And we need each other. You need some people to help push you up the incline. And maybe, maybe the reason why you might feel like you're having a hard time to incline your heart to God, why you feel like you only got like a 10 or 12 degree angle instead of straight up to God. Maybe one of the reasons is because you don't have someone or someone's around you to help you push yourself up that hill. And let me, let me just ask this. I mean, this isn't for you all in the room, but for you watching, is the reason why you're not at church and not connected to community, is the reason health or is the reason habit? If the reason is, is health, that's, that's fine. I get that. No, no judgment. But if the reason is, is habit, then I also want to ask, what, what's your heart like? What, what's the angle and what has the angle been like since we've last seen you? How's your heart? We need each other. Hosea said, come, let us return to the Lord. The, the psalmist cried out, God, won't you revive us? And so, so now here's, here's how I think that we can begin to set our hearts on the incline, how we can begin to position our hearts in that divine direction towards God. The, the first thing is, is what we've just talked about. You need someone. You need someone who, who can help you push yourself up that incline. The, the, you cannot do this alone. You need some folks who can encourage you. You need some folks who can pray you up that hill, who can give you a push when you're struggling and you're tired and you're fatigued and you just want to give up and jump off. You need some people who are there to push you up the hill. But also the second thing, the second thing, and this is what makes that whole incline journey back to our house with my kids makes it so uh, miserable and frustrating is because my kids insist sometimes on taking extra stuff with them. You know, everybody wants to take a water bottle and everybody wants to take their toy. And sometimes they, they want to take a backpack with them as well. And, and that's, that's fine. That's fine on, on the way down. But that just means that's the more stuff you're going to have to carry back with you on the way back up. You see, the, the problem is, is that they got, they got too much going on. The problem is that they're carrying too much. There's too much stuff weighing them down. They're, they're trying to get too much done. And we get that way too sometimes. Am I right? Sometimes we're, we're trying to get on the incline, but we've got too much stuff that's just weighing us down. 
And, and I think Jesus would look at us just like he looked at Martha and said, Martha, Martha, you're so concerned with many things, too many things, but there is only one thing that is necessary. Mary has learned it. Take a time to sit at the feet of Jesus. That, that when you're, when you're burdened with busyness, it makes it so much harder to get your heart up on that incline towards God. But there is only one thing that is necessary. And so this means that, that you've got to learn how to say N-O. You, you've got to learn how to say no to some things. You, you've got to learn how to say, you know, my hands are already full. And if I hold one more thing, I'm afraid I won't be able to class them in prayer anymore. You, you've got to learn how to say no. And, and likewise, you've got to learn how to rest. You've got to learn how to, how to disconnect. You've got to learn how to put it down. And the it sometimes, yes, it is your phone. Because you're going to need your rest and you're going to need your attention if you're going to go up on the incline and direct your heart towards God. If you want to keep going down the, de- the decline, that, that's fine. Have, have at it. But to go uphill? You need to be rested up to actually, to actually go somewhere. You need to be ready and rested and attentive for that. And so here's, here's the last thing, the last thing to, to get our hearts on the incline. And this is, this is the most important thing of all. The most important thing that we need for our hearts to get on the incline towards God is we need repentance. And Repentance is something that uh, we don't like to talk about a whole lot, something that we don't like to hear a whole lot because it means that, well, we need to hear that we're wrong. And nobody likes to hear that they're wrong. But, you know, that was, that was the entire message throughout the prophets in the Old Testament. You want another message? Repent. Repent. That was their entire message. That was Hosea's message. Stop, stop mistreating people. Stop being apathetic towards God. Repent. Change your life. Change your heart. Turn around. Stop going on the decline and get up on the incline. Repent. That, that was Hosea. That was, that was all the prophets. They just plagiarized each other's work. I mean, it was, it was a different, different time, a different king maybe on the throne, but still the same problem, sin. And still the same solution, repent. But then it didn't end there. Because you open up the New Testament. And who's there but this wild and crazy looking man who's standing on the riverbanks of the Jordan. And what's his message? Repent. John the Baptist is out there proclaiming, ushering in the way for Jesus. And his message is nothing other than repent. And then you think, okay, well, after Jesus and the whole resurrection thing, certainly things would change. The message would be a little bit different. Nah. You open up to Acts chapter 2, Peter's very first sermon. You want to know what it was? Repent. Acts chapter 3, turn the page. You think, okay, now it's time for some variety here. Acts chapter 3, repent. Peter says this, Acts 3, 19. Peter says, change your hearts and lives. Repent. Turn back to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then the Lord will provide a season of relief from the distress of this age. And he will send Jesus whom he handpicked to be your Christ. Doesn't that sound nice? 
And what is, what is revival if it is not a season of renewal, a season of relief, a season of, of refreshment? You see, re- repentance brings about revival. And, and this is where repentance differs from confession. Confession is great. Confession is, is the acknowledgement of our sin. It's bringing, it's bringing our sin, our wrongdoings before God, letting God shine a light on it and asking for forgiveness for that. But if we never actually get to the work of repentance, the deeper, the harder work, that incline work, if we never get to the work of repentance, then our confession becomes nothing more than slapping an IOU sticky note on our sin. Oops, sorry, God, I owe you. Sorry, God, owe you for that too. Sorry, God, I owe you for that. And so what happens is we can easily get stuck on this like confession carousel. You know, you know, the merry-go-round, the, the carousel, the confession carousel that, that around and around and around we go. We say, oh, hi, God. Hey, sorry, God. But I'm going to take another trip around. Oh, hey, God. Sorry, God. I'm going to take another lap around. Hey, God. Sorry. And around and around and around we go. But that last prophet who was to show up, John the Baptist, you already know what his message was. <laughs> Repent. That was his whole message. But he added something to it. It was not just repent. He said this, and this is Matthew at chapter 3. John the Baptist said, produce fruit. Produce fruit that shows you have changed your hearts and lives. Produce fruit that, that shows that you have repented, that, that when you repent, when you change your heart and your life, there, there should be something to, to show from that. Don't just hop back on that confession carousel again and again and again. Actually change your lives, change your heart, and, and live in a different kind of way now. What this means is it means asking God to get down to the root at the pro- of the problem, not, not just to look at your sin and then overlook it, but to look into the appetite that is craving it. It means asking the Holy Spirit to give you the eyes, to see you as God sees you, to examine your heart, to examine your heart like a skilled surgeon so that God can see what needs to go. Because after all, after all, wouldn't you want your surgeon to take a really good look at what is making you sick? You wouldn't want your surgeon to, to go in there, take a look around and see something and then just overlook it, right? No, you want your surgeon to go in there, see everything that might be making you ill, cut it out so that it can be healed and revived and made new again. It's the same with God. And so this is, this is laying our hearts open and bare before God and asking God to take a close look at what needs to be cut out. What needs to be revived? What, what is it in me that is, that is making me sick? And yeah, yeah, it might be painful when God cuts that out. But if we're really serious, if we're really serious about that prayer from the psalmist, if we're truly asking, God, won't you, won't you revive us again? Won't you bring us back to life? Then maybe that's exactly what it's going to take. You see, repentance is a gift. We, we don't think of it as a gift, but it's a gift. 
Jesus says this in Revelation chapter 3. This is my last verse, I, I promise. <laughs> Jesus says this. It might be familiar, but maybe not the first part. He says this, Revelation 3.19. Jesus says, I correct and discipline. I correct and discipline those whom I love. Hang on to that. So be earnest and change your hearts and lives. Repent. That's what he says. He says, look, I'm, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If any hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to be with them and we'll have dinner with them and they will have dinner with me. Go back to that first part. I, I correct and discipline those whom I love. But if God loves us, God doesn't just take us to the movies and buy us popcorn. That God, God loves us with correction and discipline so that, so that our hearts and our lives will be changed, so that we will repent. It, it's, it's a gift of love. We, we don't think that it is, but it's not like God is trying to take something good away from you. It's not like God is trying to take something good out of your life. God is trying to give you something. Because after all, after all, what has sin ever done for you besides make you restless and wreck your life? What, what good thing has sin ever done for you? Nothing. Nothing but put you on the decline and you didn't even realize how far you had gone because of how fast that you were going. But if you set on your heart on an incline, that, that pursuit of God, what's the outcome? What's, what's the promise? Jesus, Jesus says it right there. Jesus says, I will come in. And we'll have a feast. We'll, we'll have a party. If you'll only open up. Set your heart on an incline. And so I'm, I'm done preaching. I've already gone on for way too long, and I know some of you haven't even followed half of anything that, that, that I've said. I know, I know. And it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard message to hear. We don't want to hear it. But it's one that we need to. And so I would, I would ask as we just close, if you would bow your heads and, and incline your hearts with me in a word of prayer, and you know, maybe, maybe you want to stay seated or, or maybe this is a time where, where you realize this, I, I need to change my direction and to show that it's a time to, to come forward, to, to kneel at the altar, have a conversation with, with God. And maybe it's, it's just a conversation where you're not paying attention to any of the words that I'm saying. This is, this is one just between you and God. And so if you would bow your heads, let's incline our hearts together before the Lord. So God, won't you, won't you revive us again? God, won't you bring us back to life so that we can rejoice in you? Lord, that's, that's our prayer. And God, we ask you right now that, that you would revive us. And maybe, maybe God, it's, it's, not, it's not all of us that needs it right now. But there's that one thing that we've been holding on to that's been weighing us down. There, there's that thing that, that's been holding us back as we've tried to get on the incline. Lord, would you show that to us? Would you, would you invite us to, to lay that burden down so that you could lift us up? 
that, that one thing that, that we have in our lives that, that is dead. That's just causing dysfunction and disease and decay. And it's just dead weight that we are tired of carrying around uphill. God, would you relieve us of that? And Lord, though, though it may be painful, it, it might involve you tearing us a little bit. God, help us to be courageous in asking your spirit to do just that. And give us the strength to trust in you. Give us the strength to trust in one another. That we could be there to support and help one another in our time of need. God, that, that we would be your church. That we would return to you. Lord, we need you. Help us to pray honestly earnestly, zealously, Lord, won't you revive us again and help us to say yes to all the things that that might demand of us. Help us to say yes to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.